Hey, Jordan, uh, what's up? What's going on? Hey, man. Uh, I just had lunch. What's up? Um, you know, I'm just still trying to process this Trump news. Uh, I just heard on the wire contracted coronavirus. And, uh, you know, we've talked plenty about, you know, orange man, bad, mm, of course, yeah. the Cheeto in chief, mm-hmm. the small hands, all that stuff. But I mean, I can't, my empathy is really taken over here. My heart really goes out to him. Uh, you know, we might, we might disagree politically on a lot of stuff like migrant children going to concentration camps and, and, you know, inspiring, inspiring, uh, you know, terrorist mass shootings around the world and all these other things. We might disagree politically on a lot of that stuff, but, you know, I hate to see a fellow, fellow human being, uh, suffering like that so i'm just i'm pretty pretty upset by it yeah uh you know no matter our disagreements i just i i was you know immediately i immediately started to pray uh ask god to, yeah, to protect same. our president because you know he's a, he's everyone's president he's yours mine he's ken's he's uh, trudeau's president yeah and f- speaking of ken i see him in the hallway there do you want to because we need to strategize about how we're going to handle this do you want to grab mm-hmm. him and just do a walk ken, and talk ken here? hey oh. get in we're, hey, we're walking and talking over here Oh, what are you guys walking yeah. talking about? Well, we're strategizing right now. Uh, we, we we know Trump is sick. He's not really able to campaign. And I really feel like if if we were to continue campaigning and, and encouraging the Biden campaign to like continue putting out ads, especially negative ads, I really feel like it would reflect really badly on us. So I feel like, bare minimum, Biden's got to take a couple days off of just like not... Not no more advertisements, no campaigning. Like, are you guys on board with Ooh, that? Oh. That is Machiavellian. If he does that, I don't see how Trump is going to respond. It's almost yeah. too devious. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a nice respectability move. I think people will really recognize that. Just a sudden absence of ads. Yeah, it's good. That's going to leave them in a bind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be really hypocritical then if they came and tried to and tried to you know hammer Biden on on being unfair. Right. Mm-hmm. And shut them down preemptively. And in the middle of them trying to ram through. Amy Coney Barrett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... they'll have no choice to, but to feel guilty and just stop. Right. Exactly. Right. That's that's my thinking, anyways. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jordan? Do you think there's any other like where else should we take this? I mean, you know, I'm bullish on this kind of stuff, so I would say like a complete just freeze, campaign freeze. Everyone just takes a week off. Yeah. Um, no At work least. whatsoever. Yeah, just just you know what we're in this together. This is an American issue. It's not left. It's not right. This is this is uh, an American issue. We are all behind you, Mr. President. It's a week off for the Biden campaign. Yeah, I love it. Is this enough solidarity, though? Is there? What I else can we know. do? To I feel like there's like you can't have too much, you know? No. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Biden's got to show that he that he empathizes. Yeah. I mean, that's we we keep talking about how he shows empathy. Right. He and feels he's able your pain. To, uh, your pain is my pain. Find common ground. Mm-hmm. Feel feel his pain. All that. So. I don't know, maybe this is like a shot in the dark here, but maybe maybe Biden should just get infected with coronavirus. Oh, that's... Oh, and it just shows, yeah. like, you we're, we're all in the same boat, Mr. President, sir. Now I have the same, like, deadly respiratory disease as well. <laughs> Otherwise... And it's like putting... Just level the playing field. Dude, mm-hmm. you are like the progressive Karl Rove. Because yeah. Yeah. when we unveil... If he did that... Checkmate. Yeah, and that can, yeah, I mean, he, he couldn't talk about it otherwise. He doesn't have first-hand experience. No. How would he know what to say? Yeah. And the last thing we want is for Trump to, uh, obviously we want him to get better, but we don't want him to then take the lead on this and talk about how he's a big, strong survivor, and Biden's going to look weak. Mm-hmm. So we, they've got to be on the same kind of level, or else it's just yep. going to, I think it's going to really have spell bad things for his campaign. Really?
Okay, hello. Hello and welcome. It's The Insurgents, episode 42. Rob Rousseau here, along with Jordan Yule, and we're also joined by frenemy of the show, Ken Klippenstein. Mm-hmm. How's it hey, going, folks. fellas? It's Is your chair be any creakier? If you could squeak your chair a little I'm bit wondering. more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is how eager I am to be on the show. That would be I ideal for awesome. me. I can't keep myself still. You get more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more creaks. It's I'll like I'm in continue. the room with him. This is cool. I like this. <laughs> it's like ASM. It's like Ken ASMR. You get the full experience. I got the steroidal cocktail that the president did, so now I can't. I can't sit still. I feel better <laughs> than I ever have in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. We're all juiced right now on an experimental mm-hmm. steroid cocktail. So we can get the same into the same mindset, because his my Trump's mind has been extra powerful lately. You have to you have to admit that. I mean, you may not like it, but you damn well have to respect it. Yeah, who could have seen this coda to the presidency? Him just uh, you know getting dangerously ill and then taking like basically the same stuff that like Mike Cernovich was selling, like some kind of brain serum to cure himself. <laughs> yeah, well, if he had been taking that all along, he wouldn't have gotten coronavirus in the first place. <laughs> that was that was his mistake. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> With his his mindset powers would have <laughs> he would have avoided it. Uh, let, okay, but I th- feel like we should back up here because we haven't even the we haven't even talked about the debate. Uh, we we recorded the last episode. It came out like the day of the debate or the day after. Do we even want to talk about this? Like it seems like it was like five years ago, but it might be worth kind, mentioning. Kind of the fact that Trump and Biden had a debate. Well, also they had a debate. Right? Well, I think Trump actually had coronavirus at that point. Yes, seems um, like it. And yeah. if, the timeline is really close, but he might have known about it as well and gone anyways. So that seems and have his and had his family like explicitly refuse to wear That's masks right. yeah. or like follow follow any of the protocols that were in place to prevent you know the spread of this this deadly infection. It's a fun disease. news peg that uh, makes that debate a little more relevant now that we didn't know it. we didn't know it then. Who would have known that no. the president wouldn't give a shit about that and and would just. <laughs> In danger. Yeah, I thought he was very considerate before that, but now I have to reevaluate uh, my position on that. What did you guys think of the debate? Was there anything like of substance there that stood out? No. I actually did not watch it. I was I was I was editing the last episode while it was on, but it was extremely funny to just follow the tweets. I was just looking at Twitter and seeing everyone just like melt down in real time, but how the how like completely unhinged it was. I think, and I was like, oh, it seems like this is I going had well. a trauma response where I just kind of like went into a fugue state. Like I genuinely couldn't process it because it was so <laughs> depressing. Like it felt so Weimar-y. Like I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that Biden did worse than Trump. I mean, Trump seemed unhinged, but it was like just the notion that these are our, the avatars of our political options was like very disheartening to me. Yeah, I, I, I produced mm. the uh, live stream uh, of our discontents partner discourse blog um they did kind of like a debate live react conversation uh for their subscribers and it was just like at the end um i mean maybe it was just like all the back and forth and trump yelling i just like remember telling my friend just like i want a cigarette i don't even i i I don't even (laughs) smoke uh and I i quit smoking like 10 years ago but like I'm so stressed. I, I I could use a cigarette right now. It was something I haven't felt in a very long time. It was just grating. I can't imagine anybody came out of that thinking like, "Oh yeah, America's fine." Like, "Oh, we're, we we have two good choices." Like, who comes out of that feeling confident about anything? It was just very grating, uh, unnerving, um, worrisome. I think tomorrow. We're, so we're recording this on Tuesday. 
I think tomorrow night, which is the uh, vice presidential debate. Um, again, also plug for our, our discontents partner uh, discourse blog. They're streaming that as well. I think tomorrow will be a little bit different. I think uh, we'll see a lot more poise and competence displayed uh, by uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, I think she's really going to just like pick Mike Pence apart. And now you have like an added layer of, okay, Trump has coronavirus. <laughs> please, please, uh, please stay away from me. But also like your whole like campaign and administration is a joke. So I, I, I'm very curious to see uh, how things go tomorrow. I would imagine it would be less stressful. Yeah, I just from what, from what I did see, I kind of watched the highlights the next day, and it did seem like, and apparently this was like part of Trump's strategy to try and like uh, just verbally abuse Biden until it triggered some one of his like famous stutters uh, that we've heard we've heard so mm-hmm. much about. I would assume like it kind of had the opposite effect because when he pissed Biden off and he was just kind of like, "Oh, sh- will you shut up?" and stuff like that, that made Biden like more relatable well, yeah, than he that, ever yeah. is because yeah. that's just like that's what that was the wants one to to. kind of like the clouds parted slightly and some of the light pierced through was when not just when Biden said that, which I liked, but also the um, part where he says, "I'm not going to fact check Trump. We all know he's a liar." It's like, dude, I've been waiting for somebody to just say that, like. <laughs> Finally, like for yeah. whatever you think of Biden, like at least he recognizes that you that you can't, you know, uh, Pinocchio away his 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 whole thing because that's what his you know approach is. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that that bespoke a kind of like um, awareness of the situation that many Democrats don't have. Um, so I would say that was one of the few pleasant points. Yeah, I, I also think I, I talked about this on the Damage Report this morning. Uh, with John Iderola, the the moment about Hunter's drug abuse, I think will backfire for Trump. I think a lot of people, not like, I don't know, I don't think it's going to be like a, a needle mover, but like, I think it would make people who are otherwise sympathetic to him on his work, uh, quote, on the opioid epidemic. There's a lot of people just that I see back home uh, because I grew up in an area that's like really hard hit by the op- opioid crisis. A lot of people think that like Trump is is like really good on this issue, um, and I saw a ton of Facebook posts from people back home also really furious about what he said about Hunter. It's like why do you why are you bringing up his his drug addiction? Like why why does that matter? Um, it may not seem like a lot, but like this I was like overwhelmed, and this is sure sure a small sample um, and anecdotal uh, evidence, but like it was it was noticeable like the number of people I saw. Uh, from my hometown, who many of whom were just kind of like apolitical or just like, you know, swing voters or whatever, who were disgusted by that. Because, like it or not, people in privileged circles may not realize it, but like a lot of people have struggled with drugs in this country. And a lot of people have had their lives ruined, or friends or family members have had their lives ruined by uh, opioids in this country. And while, you know, cocaine's a little bit more of like a recreational drug for wealthy people, um, it's still like it's still seen the same way by a lot of people like drug abuse is drug abuse and he was like that he was insulting this guy for something a lot of people are sympathetic to um to show what a callous heartless individual he is and it allowed biden to look like very humane and empathetic by being like i'm proud of my son and like that i imagine that spoke to a lot of those communities as well absolutely who hasn't been there who hasn't made like absurd numbers of apologies for people that they love who were just continually fucked up with drugs like it, that's a very that's extremely relatable. Well, in Trump's defense, it's not like um, these you know substance abuse cases are particularly concentrated in uh, something we call the Rust Belt, where all these swing states are located. Yeah. So you guys might be worrying too much about something that's not relevant here. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, it just speaks to to something that I noticed, especially lately, um, how 
throughout this campaign, like it's very clear that Trump has abandoned the things that made him so successful in 2016. That kind of fake right wing populism, which we, of course, it's bullshit. But at least he had the ability in 2016 to like speak to these marginalized communities and people that have been kind of left behind by the economic system that have been left behind by the Democrats, by the Republicans, and convince these people that he like gave a shit about them. Um, and it just seems like he's completely abandoned that now. And it's now it's just pure like culture war bullshit. Uh, and it's just he's, he's become like he's been he's been absorbed by the like mainstream conservative machine. And that's all he's offering this time. Uh, and I think there would have been a great opportunity to run the exact same kind of campaign as he did in 2016 and paint Biden as this like this D.C. insider who's responsible for all the misery that these communities uh, across the Rust Belt are facing. Um, and he's just like abdicated that entirely. And he's just like, no, no, Biden's a communist. And he's running on like austerity and installing like uh, religious fanatic judges and encouraging people to to contract a, a potentially deadly illness. Like that's that's his campaign strategy. And it's like I don't know if that's I don't know if that's going to get the job done. Well, I think you might have done a misogyny there, Rob, and and given all the credit there to to Trump. When uh, one crucial variable here that's missing is that there's not Hillary running anymore, well, uh, who I think was a unique foil for for Trump in a way that you know Biden, for all his faults, I don't think that he he's quite as bad of a politician as she was. <clears throat> so let's give her some credit where. Well, I personally thought the Hillary campaign was flawless, and uh, and <laughs> so that would mean that it would be you that was doing a misogyny right now. So. <laughs> I think we should probably reflect on that. Yeah, I think to Rob's point about the culture stuff, it is like this is like the uh, people say said it a lot um, over the course of his administration and his campaign. But like, I think this year, especially this is like the Fox News candidacy because it isn't like it isn't really speaking to the same issues that he really ran on in 2016. Like when he went to, uh, again, the Rust Belt and said, like, all the jobs are coming back and really hammered NAFTA and the TPP, you know, various trade deals that disadvantage workers in, in uh, post-industrial America. Now it's, we need a dominionist on the Supreme Court and, you know, we, uh, Joe Biden's a communist, you know, things like that. Yeah. Like we're, they're coming for, they're coming for you in the suburbs, um, all this shit. And like, there were elements of that. There were some dog whistles in the campaign, but you know, he, he for a, a large part of it, he hammered Hillary on NAFTA and TPP because she had just supported TPP. There's like a big part of it. That's why he won Michigan. Yeah, th- we don't see that. And yeah, sure, there's no surprise in him being completely disingenuous and never really meaning any of that. But like, that's why I think he won in, in, in part. But this year, yeah, this year it's all, it's all Fox News TV grievance sh- bullshit it's really really bizarre and hollow and now we're seeing like really odd stuff from the campaign like pulling money out of ohio and doubling down in florida it's 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 so mirrors like the the bad decisions made by hillary like ignoring key states in the midwest and focusing on comfortable states like she focused on california instead of michigan why and now he's focusing on florida state that he's probably gonna win pretty easily um really really bizarre yeah, yeah. Like as you mentioned, he never actually had real credibility on this issue. Like as soon as he was elected, despite the campaign he ran, he, he oversaw this massive upward transfer of wealth to the absolute wealthiest people in the country. Uh, but he was at least able to speak on these issues, and and for whatever reason, these these folks believed him, uh, and he could have absolutely done that again. In this way, I think kind of that, 
like as much as as Steve Bannon is like a very detestable, uh, disgusting uh, fascist, and I hate him. I think he was, you can point to him as like kind of the main reason that Trump was able to win in 2016. And I kind of think ditching Bannon was a kind of fatal error for Trump because I think as evil as he is, he at least understood uh, why people were kind of uh, disaffected with the mainstream Republicans and Democrats and was able to kind of steer Trump in that direction. And I just, without his influence, it's just, it's just this pure, uh, you know, like you were saying, Fox News culture war shit. And uh, we're seeing that reflect now in polls that's like starting to look really bad for Trump. And this, this is without the whole the, the, the craziness of this week uh, that happened that I don't think has really helped. Oh, on either. that note, l- let me cut in there. I've got some breaking news for the pod. Uh-oh. Um, it looks like Stephen Miller has COVID now. Okay. Oh, man. Well, all I want to say is, now is, you know, you shouldn't be wishing this upon no. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one. Yeah. And I want to point this out. I can't um, even the pretend. First tweet... I've been doing bits about this, but I can't even pretend when it comes to Stephen Miller. I can't even do the bit where I'm, where I'm pretending yeah. to be upset about it. There's someone, oh. there's someone that was able to. So the first tweet that I saw um, about this, it, almost immediately, mm. Jennifer Rubin replied, sometimes it is best not to say anything. <laughs> wow and that's why we look to jennifer rubin as a, a beacon of of civility and uh we really uh-huh. t- we like to take our cues from her uh, over here so that's good that we got her take in there God <laughs> damn, couldn't happen to a nicer so guy though yeah. yeah poor guy he's just an innocent staffer yeah exactly okay so, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about the debate and the way that the Trump campaign has kind of been floundering a lot. Um, and we're, we're going to revisit this. But like, after the debate kicked off, like one of the most surreal weeks of of American politics, I think, since Trump was elected, which is saying a lot because there's been many, many weeks of like absolutely bizarre, uh, crazy uh, stories that have come out. But this has been like, I think I kind of disassociated when this was going on. I was just like, this cannot be real. Um, because it's just so preposterous. But yeah, so after the debate, we find out that uh, Trump, basically the whole Rose Garden ceremony for, um, what's her name? What's the new Supreme Court justice they're trying to ram through? A- Amy uh, Coney Amy Barrett, Coney is that it? Barrett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, ACB, which they're trying you to down make with that ACB? work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know me. <laughs> the ABCs of ACB. <laughs> oh boy. Notorious ACB. Oh. Has yeah. anyone done this? Yeah, I don't think so. You should do shirts. <laughs> okay. You should do shirts. You could probably make a killing yeah. on those. So yeah, her, that's, that's in, cool. in like the ultimate form of poetic justice, her whole like ceremony uh, introducing her was like turned into like this COVID super spreader event, um, which where now it's just like multiple people that were there ended up getting coronavirus, including Donald Trump. It is really remarkable too, just on that level, how much I feel like they believe their own bullshit. Like you think on some level they do know that this is like a this is a dangerous pandemic and they should be taking precautions, but they're like they're so caught up, not just Trump, but like everyone in his orbit, they're so caught up with this like conservative news cycle stuff and and appearing strong and like oh yeah the COVID's just a hoax, the Democrats are trying to use it to to you know win the election and all this bullshit. Uh, and they they believe this so much that they're like, no, we're not going to socially distance. We're not going to wear masks. And they all get this fucking um, this potentially fatal disease, which, again, is very is very disappointing and upsetting to everybody. Um, well, uh, of course, Rob, that's because you're not a man if you wear a mask. Uh, yeah. Quite frankly, if you're wearing right. a mask, you need to be carrying a purse. Yeah. 
It's just stunning when Trump has coronavirus, is needing to be like treated in the hospital, and they're still like, oh, wearing a mask. That's uh, that's kind of sissy to me. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. this is you're still sticking with this. Okay, that's in it. That's very interesting. Well, this is like, did you see Trump walking down when uh, he was doing one of his? Uh, public appearances to reassure everyone that he's doing well. He kind of like wants to put his hand on the rail to steady himself, but it, it's clear he thinks that that will signal weakness. So instead, mm-hmm. he's just kind of like, like hovering his hand Bubbling. over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a hover hand thing where he doesn't actually want to rely on it, but it's there if he needs it kind of thing. It looked so funny. It was like, like imagine living like that, like having to think about that all the time. <laughs> Masculinity's a prison, man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the video that they made, I thought was, like, incredible. Um, The video of him taking a helicopter home and, like, like the Avengers music in the background. It's, like, him saluting the Washington Monument. Uh, That's – it was just incredible. (laughs) Like, the the pageantry of state that they're trying to rely on um, to make him seem strong in this moment when it's, like – He's struggling to breathe. I mean, any like the thing is, like anybody who knows anybody who's had it or has, or anybody in general who has had it, can tell you it's like it's fucking awful, and it lasts for sometimes weeks. I've got a buddy who had it, uh, and he said he dealt with it for like twenty some days, and it ebbs and flows. And like we saw that that's what happened with um, Herman Cain. Herman Cain, like halfway through, he's like, "Oh, I feel great," and then he died. Like this, yeah. He's like, responding to treatment. Yeah, this is he's a getting vol- better. This is a volatile. The doctors disease. like what they're it's seeing. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just dead. Like f- yeah. two weeks later. Right. It's not a linear chart of how they're doing. Yeah, and it's, it's certainly not forty-eight hours. No. I'll say this too: the differences between um, Trump and Immortan Joe are becoming disturbingly <laughs> few. Oh my god! Dude. Yeah. Do not become addicted uh-huh. to the air. You will grow dependent on it and resent its absence. <laughs> <laughs> And then his kids, and more and Joe's kids too. These like fucked up. <laughs> Do you remember the movie? Yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. Like Trump's chrome, kids. Like chrome on their yeah, faces. Witness me. <laughs> yeah, it's like the TPUSA kids who like are the people who are waiting outside the hospital without yeah. masks. Just like Witness I would me, die Trump. for that man. I will die. For, I will die for that man. I'm happily. He was literally. And then he was in the SUV, just like in the car. <laughs> yeah, just doing a little. Took him out for a little ride. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to go for a little ride. You got. He was getting, you know, he was getting stir crazy in there. You got to take him out for a little air, fresh air. Well, no, what they need just breathing the air with the Secret Service agents that were in the SUV, almost certainly, in, uh, also infecting them with coronavirus at the time. Oh yeah, they just need some classic rock washed up guy playing the guitar with the speakers like the the i don't remember what the name of the guy was but do you remember the guy that would like he'd have the blaring music in the background to be like the war drums when they were charging on yeah yeah and the big flamethrower guitar yeah yeah yeah. they need need a guy like that and then they're set yeah who (laughs) i'm wondering who would that be stan crenshaw oh it's ted nugent yeah the big flamethrower guitar there we go he would be happy to (laughs) yeah So let's we'll keep going along this timeline. So Trump then gets he gets sent to uh, Walter Reed to the hospital. Um, the, the doctors, there was a bunch of conflicting information coming out this uh, coming out about uh, his this, his status, where you had people like close to the campaign and close to the White House being like, no, no, totally fine, uh, everything is a okay, and it's just kind of a routine checkup. And then you have stuff leaking out, just like he's he's dying like right now, like he's uh, for sure on death's door. And then you had these like quack doctors kind of saying like, oh, no, uh, 
I didn't want to mention the disease because then that would like upset him. And then that would make the disease more likely to, to like make him more sick and stuff. And it turned out he was like, not even a doctor, but like an osteopath or something. Oh yeah, that's right. That it's, what's really hard to know about what's going on because you can't deduce from things what you would from rational people. So for example, when they were given this experimental cocktail for an ordinary person, that would mean that the situation is pretty dire and that, um, you know, this is something that the FDA has said you should only do as a sort of last ditch effort. But with someone like Trump, we can't rule out that he just demanded that from the get go. And, uh, potentially that made him worse or like, you just can't, (laughs) you can't look at this as though it's an ordinary patient. You, you have to try to get inside of Trump's head and imagine what he would do, which is just impossible to impossible to chart out. Yeah. And some of the side effects of those aren't some of the side effects to those drugs like psychosis. Yeah. yeah like mania. and psychosis. Well, they said that he had um, one of the reports. And again, we're going off of his doctors, which God knows what the I mean, this is like a Dr. Nick situation. But um, the, one of them said that he had an arrhythmia or like a heart palpitations. That's one of the side effects of one of of one of the experimental drugs that he had taken. So we don't know if his um, state of 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 uh, you know sickness is attributable to the drugs, to the disease, or what. I mean, we're really we're, to me, it seems clear that we're not going to know what happened until he's either dead or completely recovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's the important thing to keep in mind. Which is that, and this was really striking me when he was leaving the hospital, which it seemed like I got the impression that like, oh, we need to like put him in the hospital maybe for a week and monitor him and stuff. But he's, I'm sure he was there watching TV, uh, watching everyone speculate on how sick he was and was like, get me, get me out of here. So yeah, so they just pump him full of like horse tranquilizers or whatever it is. Uh, and right now he's just like back at work. Just the, I'm sure he's just emanating coronavirus from every pore of his body right now. Um, pretending he's totally fine when he's just shot up on all these drugs. And it's just like, this is, it's unbelievably surreal what is happening right now. And like you pointed out, uh, Jordan, this is like, he's in like day five of this infection or something like that. There's no way that he's actually like past the, uh, the ill effects of this. No one knows how it's going to go. And it's just no one there. Like no one really has real information about, uh, about, <laughs> what his current symptoms are and it's just like what is what is going it also very deeply soviet feel to me actually it, it reminds me if, it, well that's kind of like it's it's kind of like a north korea news cycle when there's all this like uh, you can't tell what's like cia garbage and like what's what's coming from it, it that's kind of because you're only getting these leaks from people that have their own interests that are trying to snipe at each other with yeah. the, you know what i mean it's like i have no idea what to i don't even if i were to bet i have no i have no idea what i would even bet was going to happen because it's so unclear i still feel like he's like he's still i think he's still very sick and just basically he's been pumped full of drugs and they're just hoping that it it goes away and that they're kind of just like pushing all their chips into the middle of the table (laughs) on him like not not having like a terrible health crisis in the next 10 days and just like hoping crossing their fingers and hoping that it's going to be fine that seems like what their strategy is to me so I, on the on the timeline of this kind of stuff, I had my buddy write down like his experience because he had it in March and he dealt with it for like 20 days. But just to kind of to, to, for people who are unfamiliar, I asked him to share like what his like ups and downs were. So we kind of have a general sense of. And I'm assuming this is like a younger, yeah, healthier person than like a 75 year old. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I went to a show. Who eats McDonald's for every single meal of his life. Right, right, right. 
Uh, he says, went to a show. Two days later, felt kind of shitty. Third day, I had a fever of 101. Insane body pains. My wife suggests we get tested, which was crazy. There were less than 10,000 uh, tests in the whole country, so it wasn't like now where it's easy. Tests come back three days later with a positive. I'm told quarantine for 14 days, shower and drink fluids. Around d day seven of actually being diagnosed, my body pains are the worst. Fatigue makes it impossible to do anything. If I'd brushed my teeth, it felt like I sprinted up a hill. Around day 14, felt great. Went for a bike ride, came home, and basically fainted and woke up four hours later. After 20 days, had no symptoms, and I was good. Took some time to gain strength and stamina back, but I was okay. Some other shit, uh, some other shit I experienced was coughing up blood, having sharp lung pains, and could only take small breaths without it hurting. Um, I mean, cool. Yeah, to the, the out-of-the-woods thing here from, his, from Trump's doctors, I think we really need to like understand. Like, this is... Sure, we might see him for, like, 30 minutes as he... Where he gets out of the helicopter and stands on the porch again, breathing. And he very still looked short. like shit there, just in that like brief it little clip like he that they're trying to use for propaganda about how strong he is. Yeah, I mean, it's we're like not going to see him struggling for a to breathe. Yeah, the debate. I would be shocked if he is full strength for the debate that he apparently insists on doing later this month. <laughs> that was really an incredible image, though, of Trump. Just like he just rips off the mask, like standing next to a photographer. Just after being released from the hospital prematurely with with coronavirus, and he's just like visibly struggling to breathe, like wincing while he tries to take air into his lungs, like he was just like gargling with asbestos or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought that was Chad optics, though. That is Chad optics, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that phrase has just stuck in my head now for like four days. I can't stop thinking about those words. They just keep <laughs> circling around my my brain. Chad optics. <laughs> Nothing says Chad like a, the ultimate Chad. Then you know, that guy struggling to just breathe like, after walking up ten stairs, just struggling like a, to breathe like while a, you're just standing still, like a fish out of water, just like flopping around, <laughs> gasping for it's air. It's like a goldfish who like fell out of yeah. its tank, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like holding great. on to its last breath. You're really projecting a lot of strength here. The strong man, the strong man uh, tactics. Oh, my I don't God. know. It's just, it was just the most fucking incredibly surreal couple of days. It's, I've, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It's like, I, I honestly couldn't really process it at a certain point. I was just like, this feels like, th this could not be more absurd. If you were trying to write something that was like an absurdist uh, kind of satirical look at, at American presidential election, anything approaching this would just be like, this is just, just this is preposterous. We could never film this. But I guess it's really happening. Apparently. And one week from now, we'll all be used to it, and something even crazier will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, is that people are saying, like, oh, now, you know, the, the polls are flipping. This is really hurting them with people. I'm sure, that, you know, it's, I'm sure it's locked up now, but, you know, I feel like uh, the, we're, the America of three weeks from now might just be completely unrecognizable, yep. and there might be some other completely different uh, crazy scenario happening then. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want people to get too comfortable. But I guess, so that's the thing that happened today, though, is that now I guess he's back at work and now he's just, he's like arbitrarily shut down any, any option of maybe doing another stimulus before the election, which again, just seems to me like it should be a fucking layup for him to like rubber stamp that and take credit for it, help a bunch of people right before the election. This seems like a no brainer to me. Well, I for one, I admire him for not willing to stoop to that level and just, uh, you know, cheat. Yeah which is what any sort of like social program is. It's cheating to give people stuff that helps them. Cause then you're not, exactly. you're not running yeah. on the courage of your 
kind of mor- uh, moral convictions, uh, these sort of abstract things, you're actually doing something material that's not good. Like, even people that hate Trump were calling those 1200 bucks Trump bucks. Like, <laughs> right, like, you know? Right. Such a genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's unfortunate for Jeff Stein, though, that he couldn't get that deal done. And uh, I think there's a lot of people that are not going to be very happy with Jeff. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if, if Jeff wants to sit on the money, that's his thing. But, you know, he's going to have to answer to God. So, yeah, that's tough. But yeah, again, it's just another example of how he's completely abandoned this whole fake right wing populist shtick, which I think even with the pandemic probably would have worked this time. I think he probably would have still won if he had gone down that route. But he's just he's been so completely subsumed by the like just mainstream conservative politics that he can't even can't even do that, even if it's going to help him. Mm-hmm. But again, there's also millions and millions of people that are being left behind in that scenario as like. The government of the United States basically openly tells them to fuck themselves. Uh, people that have been like struggling, people that are not able to pay rent, that have like been dealing with serious illnesses. You know, I was seeing some of the stats of people that are like relying on this stimulus to continue and how many people are going to be completely screwed over by this. And just like the callousness with which they're just like completely abandoning the idea of helping anyone at all is shocking even to me even though you know you you know that's what they believe in but it's like when you see it in practice like that it's really kind of stunning yeah I, I, it's they just don't care i mean the, the i i'm worried about the people who work in places like uh white house housekeeping you know places like jobs like that that are just apolitical jobs you know culinary staff housekeeping that kind of shit that's just a job that's an honest job um probably a pretty interesting yeah. job but now they're being subjected to it because it's a bunch of fucking freaks who want to turn like mask wearing into a culture war thing. And now like this, this not wanting to do a deal in Congress, people are, are suffering. And I don't know, maybe I, I also think that like this is a ploy to get Democrats to recoil and be like, hey, whoa, whoa, we need we need a deal because people need help. And Biden's team starts talking about it maybe like tomorrow night. And then Trump's like, OK, and there's no time. You're right. Uh, executive order and then democrats have to try to slow him down so maybe i don't know it could be that but it doesn't seem to make sense that and like the even the trump like uh, the trump tweet uh, uh, we're recording on tuesday night he just like tweeted something really bizarre about jerome powell and the fed needing a deal with congress really really odd I mean, the guy is just not all there i mean there's an element of of, of cruelty and callousness but also just like what the fuck is going on He's like completely yeah. incoherent and like more than just this guy's babbling. It's like, this is alarming. This is absolutely alarming. Like Powell is saying, we need Congress to act. And Trump's like, true. After saying that he's not going to do anything with Congress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he another one of those things? It's like the Democrats. It's the Democrats fault as they're like pushing legislation on it. Yeah, but some, this is some of the stats from from Jeff Stein, who, again, is responsible for this. So it seems like he's kind of rubbing salt in the mm-hmm. wound here. But uh, close to 30 million <laughs> jobless people to permanently see an income cut of 50 percent. Forty percent of restaurants face closure in six months. Tens of thousands of airline workers will be laid off. No stimulus checks. No rental relief money. No more funding for testing and tracing. No Medicaid or COBRA money or new for newly uh, uninsured people. No $100 billion to help schools reopen safely and it's just like what i don't know what's going to happen here like this is like this is setting uh, well, what's amazing setting up for an incredible this is disaster what we get all of this happening four weeks out of an election 
this is the most responsive that this government is going to be is is a few weeks out of an election and this is what we get like can you imagine if this had happened around i don't know like two or three years ago yeah yeah and like the the gravel kids were pointing out in the the episode uh last episode um there's a chance that they're like if if democrats are not able to take the senate there's a chance that even if biden wins there's still going to be gridlock in the senate there's no guarantee they're even going to be able to do anything then so it's like right i don't i don't know i right. do not know what that's going to that look like don't... i have no idea what that's going to look like yeah, or they leave the filibuster in place and they do take the Senate and, you know, they still can't do anything. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it is like, I mean, I think Democrats have a pretty fucking convincing argument right now to get people to vote for them in these these Senate races that they need to flip the Senate. Right. Um, and it's just, it seems like the, the Trump is just like hand delivering that to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether they will accept that and actually like follow through on it is one thing. Because, you know, it's not like this is a political party that's really great at seizing these kinds of opportunities historically. But, I mean, that that opportunity seems like it's there right now. Definitely. What else do we got there? Do we have anything else we wanted to uh, hit on with this? Um, we move on to something else? Yeah, I think we should move on to Ken's story. If you're allowed to talk yeah, about you've Ken. Been, Ken, you've been, uh, you've gotten a couple, diff- couple different scoops over the last couple of, uh, last yeah, couple of days. Yeah, busy Yeah. Should we talk about some of your scoops? Yeah. So, you, you, uh, you won your FOIA suit. That's right. Um, I had filed a FOIA request uh, about a year ago for um, emails behind uh, the ICE Public Affairs Division to get some insight into these really crazy tweets mm-hmm. that they've been putting out. Um, you know, of course, it's natural for public affairs to, you know, kind of reflect the uh, political goals of the administration, that kind of thing. But the extent to which it's become politicized, um, a lot of this story was based on stuff that a um, former ICE official. Uh, what he told me, and he left under this administration because um, he had been there since the Obama administration. And he described how, you know, things always have problems, but it's just like so out of control. He called it, he said that it's become basically a quote propaganda machine for the Trump administration. The extent to which, um, you know, their social media accounts, their their press secretaries, their spokespeople will use things that are going to push um, the White House agenda like above and beyond what you know ICE's like uh, immigration mission is supposed to be. So like. Um, to give you an example, um, they, oh, this is a while ago. There was somebody with a tattoo that, um, a journalist, Talia Lavin, who had worked for the New Yorker, uh, mistook, uh, she tweeted something out asking if this looked like a, you know, uh, Nazi iconography. Some people said, uh, you know, it looks sort of like it, but it could also be, you know, X, Y, and Z. So then she ended up taking it down. Now, subsequent to her taking that tweet down, um, uh, the tattoo was on an ICE official. ICE released the next day a press release. And so my FOIA request in my lawsuit was able to get at their communications around uh, how they put this thing out because the thing, the the press release that they put out ended up resulting in uh, Lavin losing her job. She's a freelancer now. Um, and it just like really dragged her through the mud. Yeah, like in a literally way that, targeted um, by this... a government agency. Um, and Right. And all the harassment and, and death threats and... and craziness that came along with that right and what's crazy is it it, uh, escalated beyond what we even knew so um aside from you know putting out this press release that described her as someone who's slandering an american hero because the guy that had the tattoo he had served in afghanistan um and uh, had his legs amputated in relation to um his service there uh he became like a cause celebre among the right um in addition to that what we didn't know was ice had actually sent armed federal agents to that ice official's house to protect him because they were so scared that something was going to happen based on Lavin's tweet, which, you know, 
whatever you think of it, it there was no threat of violence or anything in it. And um, I was not able to find any threats of violence in any of the communications that um, the ICE officials were using at the time of that. So this whole thing escalated to the point that they send an armed guy over to protect someone because people were being mean in the tweets about him and about ICE and about the role that ICE yeah. is playing um, in, in the Trump administration's deportations and, and their immigration policies. Like, that should show you how paranoid. I don't think they were even doing it for, like, optics because they didn't publicize any of this. All this was secret. We wouldn't have known about this if it wasn't for the um, FOIA lawsuit. So you can see how things can spin out of control very quickly and escalate into the sort of stuff that we saw in Portland, for instance, or, you know, any of these other places that Trump is sending federal uh, officials against the wishes of local government um, to respond to, you know, so-called civil unrest. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, I don't know, it's with, I, I remember that whole incident with, uh, with Talia's tweet pretty clearly. And, uh, you know, say, say what you want about that, but it's still, I think, I think it's totally reasonable to speculate when you see ICE terrorizing these immigrant communities. We know be like for sure that, that white supremacists, are infiltrating these agencies uh, like ICE, uh, like police departments around the country, and and uh, you know other positions like this. Like th- we we know this. This has kind of become common knowledge. So I don't think it's unreasonable to speculate when you see something like that. And the way it was done yeah, was, well, was a is... very specific. Like, hey, what is this? And when it was clear that like, oh, maybe that's not what it is, she immediately took it down and said, oh, I took this tweet down and was very very professional about it. Uh, but they still spun it into this like vicious like smear and attack. And and then started targeting her, which is I think like a huge escalation from from what happened. Yeah, I mean, I want to stress like how unusual this is. I mean, if they put up a press release, if it's questioning something, it'll talk about the institution. So it would say the New Yorker or the New York Times or whatever it is to target an individual person. Um, that's really way outside of the um, norms of conduct within these types of agencies, in a in a in a you know major departure from from you know how they ordinarily do these sorts of things. I mean, the guy I talked to for the story, he'd worked there for years, so he's very familiar with these things, and he was saying that those types of statements are often coming from the White House. Uh, specifically from Stephen Miller, who signed off on a lot of these things or had a role in crafting them and, and architecting them. Um, so, uh, yeah, the way in which the White House has 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 seized on these um, agency spokespeople, which, you know, ICE is like a subdivision of DHS, like it's a weird thing to have the president, to have the White House micromanaging. It's really extraordinary. And um, yeah, he speculated that uh, it seemed like something when he was there, Miller was always behind those kinds of things. And he wasn't there anymore when all this happened. But he speculated that um, that that would, if, if the situation was the same as it was when he was there, that that would likely be what happened. Um, and yeah, to pick up on what you're saying, I mean, I guess if it was me, I would have asked for comment before I posted it, if there was any error and, you know, Lavin apologized, she doesn't, you know, dispute that, that, um, you know, she should have sought comment first. Um, that being said, as you pointed out, it's not outrageous to ask a question about that because, um, you know, the FBI had its own intelligence showing that, um, there are, you know, white supremacists, uh, within law enforcement agencies and that poses a, um, you know, counterintelligence threat that they have all sorts of, I'm sure, uh, internal, um, intelligence and documentation and investigation uh, looking into. We know about one report that said that it got released just a couple weeks ago, and this was dating back um, to the Bush administration. That's just one example. But um, yeah, that's the question that's on law enforcement's mind as well, not just uh, activists. Yeah, I mean, you also reported last week that the FBI um, is saying like right-wing terror and violent extremism from the right is, is a huge risk, uh, especially during uh the election oh yeah the timing of that was really ironic because um so 
the FBI put out an intelligence report saying exactly that, not just the threat of these uh, far-right extremist groups, but specifically targeting uh, stuff relevant to the election and the period between the election and the inauguration. Uh, the kind of implication or the subtext there being, you know, if Trump loses, they're not going to respond um, favorably to that. Uh, the timing of that intelligence report that the FBI picked up, put out, was actually the exact same day that Trump, uh, that there was the debate between Trump and Biden, and Trump said that uh, he sees a lot more violence from the far left. Literally, like, like to the day, that was when the FBI was warning everyone. And nowhere in that report does it say anything about far left groups. Um, you know, there are, uh, there's been cases of property destruction, that kind of thing, but nothing on the order of like killing people or, or you know, deaths. I mean, there was a report put out by a very establishment group called uh, CSIS. Um, it's kind of like they, it's, it's like an academic group that does a lot of work on intelligence, law enforcement kind of stuff. And they said that in the last 25 years, they couldn't identify a single death attributable to um, anti-fascist or Antifa type groups. So um, yeah, for Trump to be saying that exact same time the FBI is searching this intelligence to law enforcement privately, by the way, they don't do this stuff publicly. That's why I sort of rushed to publish it to, to kind of um, show how ludicrous it all was. I mean, uh, yeah, it really underscores the, the um, surreal quality to this administration and what's been going on the last several weeks. Yeah. And to go back to the debate too, like you mentioned, not only did Trump like not denounce this or like or, or kind of shift the blame onto these left-wing groups he openly called for uh, the proud boys and other right-wing groups to like stand by and get ready for like violence yeah he used some tagline that they use it was like stand up and get out or i can't remember stand back and stand by or something like that and they immediately had like merch yeah like later that night and you know he kind of right. tried to walk it Insane. back and people in his cab tried to walk it back but definitely those well, groups heard that message loud and clear yeah so my sources when i talk to the guys in law enforcement what they're worried about is they say that something like that he trump has said repeatedly that he wants to use poll so-called poll watchers the people with guns kind of monitor the polls for whatever it is he thinks um you know he said repeatedly that undocumented immigrants are you know stuffing the ballots with all these um fake votes he said he wants to use poll watchers to do that now these types of groups are heavily armed uh they're basically sort of paramilitaries like when they hear that the law enforcement guys i talk to say that they're worried that they're they're hearing a wink and a nod to go and go out and do this kind of stuff so um that's really the concern on the part of again these groups that are not activists or kind of left-wing or progressive types generally speaking yeah it uh <laughs> It's a little bit of a scary situation <laughs> with this whole election. I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's going to be fine now that he's hopped up on these yes. um, uh, drugs that put you in a manic state going into an election that uh, he probably all his toadies have told him he's going to win. And, and then to see whatever the actual outcome is going to be, I'm sure he'll process that yep. with the uh, equanimity that we would expect I think from so. this guy. Yeah. No, it just seems like the possibility for, for violence or for some kind of disaster to happen is... Uh, is really looming very large over this election, and uh, it's 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 pretty frightening. No really, uh, no really way of knowing how that's gonna how that's gonna turn out. Or even if even if Trump will even be with us when we get to that point. But that's another thing that I'm sure if that happened, <laughs> everything's up for everyone would handle that very well. Also, all these far right groups. Oh yeah, the Democrats won't. The Democrats won't instantly cave to the Republicans' complaints about that this is unfair as they're trying to ram through an illegitimate yeah. Supreme Court nominee and say, you know, maybe the Republicans are right. We need to have another election and just let them run like uh, Tom Cotton or something. Yeah, we're going to give you a <laughs> That won't happen. That's the classy thing. We're going to give you a mulligan It's only on fair, this one. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, from the, the calls to have poll watchers and people show up to the like voting locations, I mean, that's just, you know, clearly a sign or uh, it's a transparent call for 
uh, conflict at these types of things because it's like the same types of people who just harass random black people at like the grocery store or at like their homes you know it's going to be those types of people showing up the people who like have no fucking lives and have convinced themselves or like are completely deluded by facebook and fox news and all this kind of shit that like people are voting illegally and they're going to go and just take it upon themselves and harass other people at voting locations that's likely going to lead to conflict because people are rightfully going to be upset that random strangers are fucking with them as they're trying to vote um between that people signing up to be poll workers and just taking it upon themselves to uh, deny a ballot to somebody uh to various judicial attempts to suppress the vote uh get votes thrown out uh get people off the rolls all these types of things the the new south carolina witness requirement for absentee ballots to even just extra judicial stuff that we talked about earlier like this is across the board there is a voter suppression attempt uh, it's a multifaceted attempt by the right to take this election because by all signs, it looks like Trump is headed for defeat. And I don't want to get too confident because we saw what happened in 2016. But, and also, and we talked about it multiple times in the show. It's so much easier to tell a poll a pollster, yes, I am voting for this person. It's a lot harder to actually carve out time, go to the location, wait in line, whatever, if you're not voting absentee, or even guarantee your vote is counted. You know, there's so many other things. It's much easier to just respond yes to a poll. But all that said, so I don't want to get overconfident because of the polling thing, but all that said, it looks like Trump is headed for defeat. And this is what they're kind of relying on now. All of these other things, whether it's the electors in different states, whether it's the 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 poll watcher call from, from Trump to signing up to be a poll worker, it looks like it's going to be a disaster. And also like the plans to challenge election results afterward. It looks like they're going to try to suppress the vote and through extrajudicial and non-democratic means, uh, try to steal the election if they lose. That's that's extremely, extremely troubling. Well, what do you think the odds are that they are going to be able to fill the Supreme Court seat? Like, has that has that been permanently fucked by this uh, this coronavirus outbreak? Are they still? Do you think they're still going to be able to do this? Because I mean, it's, tr- it's seeming less likely right now. I feel like they're trying, but like it's spreading so fast in like Trump world. And even senators have it. Like, we're going to see more senators get it, most likely. Like, you have uh, Ron Johnson's got it. Mike Lee's got it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if people in the course of these meetings with Barrett and whomever also get it, just like through the, the Trump world. Um, so it would be – it might be that, like, they try to force it, but, like, a couple senators don't – like, or aren't healthy enough to make it to vote. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I think this is a this is helpful installing this process because it's it's absolute bullshit that they're trying to force this through. Yeah, kind of a dis ex machina, but uh, I guess <laughs> like you might as well you might as well just go with it. Um, that's the thing. It could also like it could give Democrats the advantage to just like completely shut things down. But again, you don't know whether they're going to be able to take advantage of that. Or if they're going to feel too, you know, oh, we're just being unfair now to take advantage of the fact that there's this, like, lethal disease uh, sweeping through our Republican colleagues. We better let them just continue to do it anyways, because that would be the fair thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the last thing I think I just wanted to mention this as well, uh, going back to Biden, which is like something that even though 
he's basically doing nothing and now kind of in cruise control and possibly heading to become the next president. The only person that's basically out there like doing campaign events for Biden, despite all the sort of support he has from the Democratic establishment, is Bernie Sanders. And he's out there like just like busting his ass, uh, trying to get people to vote for Joe Biden, trying to like convince people that like him and like like were attracted to his movement because of the policies that he stood for. That, you know, there's still something to to fight for if you, if you go along with voting for Joe Biden. And Biden just can't stop just throwing him under the bus also at every opportunity and talking about how, like, I'm not a socialist. I beat the socialists. And, like, he keeps, like, kind of diminishing everything Bernie brought to the table and basically just insisting over and over that he's, he will will not fight for all these, these like, broad uh, progressive policies that uh, that Bernie stood for that would help people. And um, that's that's been frustrating to watch that play out as well. Especially considering that even if a disaster struck and Biden did lose, Bernie would be the first person they would blame, even though he's out there, you know, risking his oh. fucking life to yeah. get people to vote for Joe Biden. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be anything about the Trump campaign's inadequacy or sorry, the Biden campaign's inadequacies or missteps. It would be, oh, these goddamn fucking Bernie bros. Yeah. And he's just getting continually shit on by them while he's out there. Yeah. Pound and pavement in person when very few other people are. Okay, so how about this? Do you want to recent you want to read some reviews at the end of the show? This has gotten kind of grim at points. I thought we could kind of like break things up a little bit. A little different kind of a different kind of a vibe from the other episodes. Hmm. That we can read a couple of reviews before we say goodbye. What do you think, fellas? Sure thing, man. Okay. Let's do it. So we're going to be reading some reviews of the show to close out on another edition of Feedback Corner. Okay, welcome back. It's Feedback Corner, uh, the segment that everyone knows and loves. And uh, before we say goodbye today, we're going to read some reviews from the show on Apple Podcasts. And again, if you want to uh, review the show on Apple Podcasts, we encourage everyone to do that. Uh, we always enjoy, some, well, not always, we occasionally enjoy reading them on the show. Um, and we appreciate everyone, not everyone, but most, we appreciate, we sort of appreciate <laughs> some people that leave the reviews and it's kind of a it's kind of iffy depending on depending on what the content is of the review to be honest. Uh, but we've got a couple of decent ones here, uh, so I can I can kick us off if you want. And this yeah. review says, "Good podcast." It says, "This is a great podcast, very funny and informative." Ken Klippenstein doesn't feature whatsoever and shouldn't be mentioned. Five stars. Okay, that's good. I like that one. Yeah, I thought that was a good one. Mm-hmm. It seemed a little unnecessary at the end. I thought. Uh, you sure? You didn't think it was gratuitous? Mm, I'm not even. I'm not even a host of the show. Why no, did I thought it was <laughs> figuring out the review? Yeah. yeah, I don't see any problem with it. I'm reading it again. I think here. it's important to like mention we've we've talked about sort of the certain different situations that have been going on vis-a-vis you know people that have been banned from the show and whether they're allowed to come on the show or not. And I think it's important to reiterate that in the reviews as well as as on the show itself. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. This is a fantastic podcast hosted by Jortman and Robin, where they talk about all things leftist. The content is, in a vacuum, very good, but I have one big issue with the podcast. Uh Uh-oh. That issue is the state of Insurgents Global HQ. I've seen it on Jortman's thirst traps he puts on Instagram. Very shabby, very downtrodden. You'd think they'd be able to put that sponsorship money from Monster Zero to better use. It's no wonder... 
Ken keeps sneaking in. Tisk tisk, sirs. We need a more polished representation of the left. Five stars for the gaming talk. It's from Dan Steinberg. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. I kind of agree with that. I think we do need to kind of step up our game mm-hmm. in Insurgents Global HQ. You're talking about maybe some like rain total body fuel logos or. Yeah. So maybe some decals we could do. Mm-hmm. I like that nickname Jortman. It's like like the jean shorts. You were, you were <laughs> Jort- 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 all I wear. Yeah. Um, come on, you guys know this about me. It's like the one thing. I'm just like, I'm yeah. always rocking jorts. <laughs> Well, I didn't know Classic if it was like look. a never new yeah. thing, like in Arrested No, I just, I just like the way they feel, your... dude. <laughs> Do you wear like the baggy ones that go below the knee? Like, are they, are they the more, like the more conservative, like above the knee? Uh, they're just kind or of like straight leg, faded blue denim uh, with a hammer hook on the back. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> are they, were, did Jinkos ever have shorts or were they just the full length jeans? Oh, I don't know. I think were you guys are you guys pants? the age that you wore Jinkos? I was never allowed. No, I never wore Jinkos, but I saw people wear them. <laughs> I absolutely sure. had Jinkos in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> oh, I guess Jinkos did have shorts, yeah. Not my finest hour of, of fashion. That's one thing I'm very thankful of is that is that digital photography was not quite as like ubiquitous at that time. Not a lot of that has yeah. survived, fortunately uh-huh. for me. No one can well, own. I mean, me Photoshop with, uh, with exists. We could kind of imagine. Yeah, you could just throw me on a pair of Jinkos in Photoshop, but not quite the same. Mm-hmm. Not quite the same as the full experience. That would really suck to, to have come back. That would really suck to have a like deprecating moment captured in the form of an image that's like memed on Twitter at you constantly. I would imagine. Uh, I'm not familiar with. That. I don't know anyone that's had that happen to them. So I don't either. I'm just yeah. speculating. <laughs> okay, this review says, "Great pod, five stars." This podcast. See, that's a good review. <laughs> No, no swipes that make you sound petty at yeah. random people that aren't even a part of the show. <laughs> like, I don't think you started reading. Right this is just the title. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh-oh. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay, go on. Great pod. This podcast, hosted by former speechwriters of the Obama administration, touches on all the important issues. <laughs> These bros know how to talk politics and how to have some fun while doing it. Sometimes they push a little too far and come across as anti-American, promotes satanic beverages like Monster, <laughs> but I still enjoy the show. Hmm. Yeah, that is why I've been trying to transition into my my new sponsorship of of Rain Total Body Fuel, and I was actually disappointed. Someone on Twitter pointed this out that <laughs> I've been trying to play these two companies against each other to try so we could benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of a divide and conquer strategy. Turns out it's the same company. Is it Monster and Rain? So it's all just like <laughs> under the same umbrella, same corporate umbrella. Unfortunately, oh, capitalism got us again. That illusion of choice. Well, you hate to see it. Jokes on us, I guess. Like, oh, they're competing with Bang. Yeah, um, dude, you have to look up the CEO of Bang on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, it is the funny. I'll send you the account. I'll post it in the show link. It is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. Okay, he's like peak Miami guy meets bodybuilding guy meets like rapper. But he's like 55. I, it's so fucking funny. You have, you just have to see it. I think that's I, cool, actually. He's got a big chain with the Bang logo. <laughs> he plays like uh, Flo Rida songs in the backgrounds of his videos. He wears these like obscene, ostentatious button-up dress shirts that are like really loud patterns and colors. And his hair is like gelled and spiked and kind of like the f- just fuck it up fam. Like dentist ad kind of haircut. It is incredible. Across the board aesthetics, content, substance, style. Fantastic account. 
You have you have to follow him. Okay. I'm into it. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm always looking for more like lifestyle guys I can follow to sort of emulate in my own Well, this is this life. is one of them, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'll get we got one more review here uh, and then we can sign off. Yeah, yeah, you take it. And uh yeah, so this one says, "Can we try to get this going?" Hi. Uh, I had to buy an iPhone to write this review, but it broke in the process, and then I had to buy another one. So you'd better read this on air, or I wasted $6,000. I would like to suggest that we all call Rob, Rob the Blob, in future episodes. I've been trying to get this going for a while now. This is a good chance for it to catch on. I was hoping we could all try to make it happen together. Thanks for your time. Uh, okay, I appreciate okay. the five-star review. We're not let's we're not do doing it. Rob the yeah, Blob. Let's we're do not, it. We're in. No, Fischl, no, we're not yeah. gonna, that's not going to happen. That's, that's Stop happening. trying to make Rob the Blob happen. I'm in. It's not going to happen. I and I find it hurtful, frankly. To take part. I think I speak for all of us in saying, <laughs> we are in. We're all in, baby. <laughs> Why don't we rename the yeah. show? Okay. I don't think we need to. Blob hosted by Rob. <laughs> yeah. It, if we could do that if it was like a foreign policy thing. Rob more. the Blob, Slob Blob. Well, you guys talk about foreign policy. And plus, you're in Canada, so it's impossible to not talk about policy both countries. So we're doing foreign policy from your point <laughs> yeah. of view if we talk about America. That, that is true. Ian Miles Chong. Ian Miles Blob. Okay. <laughs> and this is getting out. This is a little outrageous now. <laughs> I've actually been to good, America, yeah. at least. That's the, difference. That's the difference between me and Isaac Miles Chong. <laughs> I've been to America multiple times in my life. Uh, you know, so I do have that going for me. Anyway, we're not going to... We're not. No, we're not. We're not doing Rob the Blob. That's not. That's not going to be an ongoing bit. Let's just drop that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, thanks. Thanks everyone who who left us a review for the show. We appreciate most of you uh, occasionally. And um, that's all. That's the end of the show. That's the end of Feedback Corner. It's the end of the show. Thank you, Ken, for joining us. Uh, it was great to speak to you. Why don't you let people know where they can yeah, find your, you your work and all your, your scoops you've been doing, Ken? Yeah, just hit me up on Twitter, at Ken Klippenstein. If you're government, um, my signal is 202-510-1268. It's good for secure, uh, good secure line for tips. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Wow. You know, Ken, before we go, Thank you, Ken. You, you did say on Twitter the other day, you had this kind of a cryptic tweet where you're like, I'm a leftist and I've got all these sources in the national security establishment. <laughs> Are you a Fed? Because if you, I'm asking you directly, you, you have, have to, to tell be, us. Ser- you have to be truthful, or it's illegal. Yeah, exactly. So no, and I couldn't lie about that because the government doesn't lie, the feds don't lie. Now I'm even more suspicious. Um, so there we go. We we pretty much put the lid on that. Hmm. Okay, well I'm I'm convinced. I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly couldn't lie to one of our uh, Five Eyes allies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there'd be an international row. Yeah, yeah, that. that'd be an international incident, and we wouldn't want that. Uh, thank you for listening everyone uh, we'll be back we'll be back again soon with more with more content and we'll we'll talk to you soon bye bye hey everyone thank you for listening to the insurgents if you want to subscribe to the show you can find us on itunes or spotify or at substack theinsurgents.substack.com you'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter on twitter we are at insurgents pod tweet at us harass ken in our replies and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com thank you once again for listening <laughs>